Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So for those of you who listen to this podcast on your way to school, taking your lovelies back, you know, welcome. <laughs> it's the first day, man. Hey, watch out Watch out for the kids crossing the street now. That's right. Yeah. As you're listening to this, don't get too distracted. But man, I, you know, when I was a kid, and it's been a few years, it seemed like summer was, was always too short. But, it's, it, but, but then in retrospect, it seemed like it was also a long summer. As I look at this, it, I feel... It feels like yesterday was the last day of school, and here we are, starting you know at the at the beginning of August. Really, um, we're August tenth, I guess. Uh, they're back in school. We used to we used to not go to school. I think until around Labor Day, maybe a little before. Uh, the kids now get out just slightly after Memorial Day, which we didn't get out till June. But boy, that came fast. The Lightning came won fast. the Stanley Cup thirty three days ago. Wow. We're back at school. That's it. Well, in Hillsborough County, Pinellas is going back Wednesday, so they That's have another correct. day in Pinellas. But. And I think Pasco, I'm not sure. I think there there might be today as well, or I don't, I'm not entirely sure. I know Hillsborough is back, and um, yeah, I've got now. You've got little ones. I've got one um, that is going to be in seventh grade, and one going into fourth. So she's just got one more year of elementary school. The other one's got this year, and next year, and then she's in high school. Yeah, I've Good. got uh, going into third and kindergarten this year. So. so kindergarten's big now. Yes, yes, that's a big one. The wife's a little, uh, a little teary eyed over it. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's her baby, man. That's her baby. So yeah, she'll it's... quickly learn though. She might have some time to herself, and it might not be a bad thing. Well, but she is. She is excited. So last year we walked to school. The school is just. Uh, oh door, wow, that's great! Door to door, it's about a half a mile from the, my front door okay. to the front door of the school. So last year, I usually walk the kids in the morning because a lot of times mm-hmm. I'm gone at night. So right, um, right. I'll, I'll walk them in the morning. And so the first day of school last year, we walk. And about halfway to the school, there's a crosswalk to, to the cross to the school grounds. Mm-hmm. And that. So we got to the crosswalk, and my second grader son says, I got it from here, Dad. <laughs> yeah, he did. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you got it. And, and we walk with a group of friends. So actually we have several friends that come over, and then we all walk together. Yeah. I was like, go ahead. Great. So he yeah. walks to school the rest of the way. So I come home and tell my wife that. And she's like, what? No. <laughs> no. And so the next day or two days or whatever it was, she walked him to school and she cried because he left her right there at the crosswalk he, instead of her walking all the way to school. Yeah. Well, now with the kindergartner, she gets to walk all the way to school now because the kindergartner wants oh, that. So. Okay. So she's very thrilled about that today. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I I can I literally can as old as I am. I can remember my first day of elementary school, and it was a similar situation. I didn't go to kindergarten. I think they had it back then, but I didn't go. And so first grade was my first day. And my mom, um, same kind of thing. It was a little longer walk, but we walked to to uh, Azalea Elementary is where I went, and uh, found Miss Reese's class. I remember these things like you know mm-hmm. just embeds in your mind. Found her class and. Um, Saw my 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 uh, desk. It had my name on it, so that was easy. Went in there, sat down, and then the next day we got up. Same thing. Mom was going to walk me. I go, no, I'm good. 
She's like, what? I, I, you don't need to walk me. I, I, I know where I'm going. And I was all of, what, six, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, that independence starts to uh, starts to rear its head pretty early. But So I don't remember pretty. my first day of kindergarten, but in December of my kindergarten year, we moved. Oh, that's traumatic. And so, so I'm starting school, a new school. And so go to school and my, you know, my parents are there dropping me off, whatever, except the kindergartens didn't go to the elementary school. You went there oh. and then you bust to a church down maybe half mile, mile down the road. Okay. And so they said, you get on the first bus. And so, okay, that day go, you know, get there. They put me on the first bus. So you go to school, you know, everyone sits down, they take attendance Who's here? Tech, you know, I called off everybody's name. They said anybody names not called. I remember raising my hand. I don't know anybody here. Right. They don't know who I am. I'm little Steve Versnick yeah. right here. And they're like, you know, we don't. Well, hold on, we don't know. And they, well, it turns out that the buses were out of order that day. Mm. And so I got on the first bus, but the first bus was actually the second bus that day. Oh. So I was no. in the wrong school. The wrong school? <laughs> yes. The wrong oh church. The wrong church, really. The wrong I mean, church. Okay. You know, they sent the kindergartners to several different churches. Oh, okay. And so wow. I'm in the wrong one. Mm. So, you know, I'm halfway through kindergarten year, and I'm in a new school, and now I've got to ride with the janitor from one church to the other church <laughs> oh, to get to school. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's dramatic. So maybe I wish my parents could have walked me to school that day. That's right. <laughs> and that's when Steve Verstick realized he didn't like school. Um yeah, it's uh, hey, it's always you know my my uh, my young ones are they they look forward to it. I think they regret that summer is over, but they are excited about they the good. Thank God they love school. You know, for some for some kids, <laughs> um, you know, you never want summer to end, but uh, but they love it. So, you know, be careful out there though, because there will be. Here's the thing now. Traffic is bad. The buses are back. Uh, the, you know, you got the school zones that you can't ignore. Cops will pull you over. So all that's in play. But you get to listen to this podcast. So what could be better, yeah. right? Make it just it, ties make your time your over. Don't worry about the traffic. Yeah. Yeah, just listen to us. And uh, you don't have to hit the, we don't have to hit the dump button or anything like that. We won't say anything bad, unlike some people around here. So. Um, okay, speaking of uh, bad words, Bruce Arians Ooh. blasted his offense after practice on Monday. And, you know, the execution wasn't good. The defense won, I guess, the day, and he was happy with them. That's the thing about training camp and, you know, anytime we got to hit somebody else, right? You hear that about this time of year because there's mixed emotion. Your defense plays really well. You're, you're, Happy for the defense, not so happy with the offense, and then vice versa. Um, but it's I think it's important to note that this occurred after Tom Brady, Arians himself, Clyde Christensen, and Tom Moore got back to Tampa Bay about 2 a.m. from Canton, Ohio. So, <laughs> you know, who would have thought they'd had a bad practice? Although Brady, um, it is said, played pretty well. He actually had a, had a decent day. There was some, a lot of drop passes, mental errors mostly in protection and things like that where the defense was able to uh uh to prevent some some easy scores in the red zone and things like that. So yeah, he he kind of got on him a little bit. And and that's I I I've gotten on to Bruce, you know, about every every few days or so, he's going to he's going to raise the temperature for them. And he says that this has been one of those things that seems to be recurring after they have a day off. They come back 
you know, you, you work four days and I think you have to be off like, uh, on the fifth day and then, uh, by rule, by CBA rule. And then, you know, unfailingly when they come back from that off day, uh, you can expect, now maybe it's chicken or the egg, right? Are, are they really performing bad and that's why he goes off or is he just, is this something that's sort of tr- strategic on his part? Um, but you know, it's probably both a little bit of both. I think. Yeah. A little bit of both. I mean, you know, look, after a long weekend, you know, the kids, they come back to school and they forget yeah, everything they learned on Friday. Monday. You know, they come back That's Tuesday right. after the long weekend and yeah. you know, maybe how they forget everything. Yeah, but the coach is sense. also, his job is to push and to prod. And, and you know, if the defense had a really good day, it probably did make the offense look pretty bad. Yeah. As of yesterday, we're 30 days, one month away from the opener. Bum, 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 bum. Um, Thursday night football, Dallas Cowboys. I really believe, and you got um, you know Arians saying this was funny too because Arians goes, you know, baby, back in the day we'd be running the blank out of them, but that don't work anymore. You go to jail for that stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to grow up and man up, identify. You got to fix it. I'm not going to fix it. You got to fix it. <laughs> job? What's your job, Bruce? <laughs> you thought you're, hey, you're well, responsible. My my, uh, my youngest one, uh, the one of the first games I coached in soccer for him. Uh, you know, a bunch of four-year-olds playing soccer, and we lost the game. And afterwards, my son said, "Well, Dad, if you would have coached better, we would have won." <laughs> like, really? From from the mouth of babes. <laughs> hey, just so you know, that's your record. They only keep the coach's record. You're zero and one. I mean, they okay? really, I mean, they really don't count. You know, the midfielder in soccer as the record. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. See, <laughs> see, maybe Bruce just needs to coach better. Just coach better. Coach him up. Maybe get home sooner. Who knows? Um, you know, that was the other thing too, cause I don't know what Tom Brady's plans were, but when I, when I spoke to him as I did, cause I was one of the first ones to speak to him when he arrived in Canton, Ohio, think about that. I can always tell people, you know, when Tom Brady, nice that you met him in the, Tampa. Oh wait, no. Yeah. <laughs> when Tom Brady walked into the pro football hall of fame for the first time and talked to me, um, he said that, uh, I asked him, well, how's the trip? He goes, oh yeah, it's good. good. Like, we're up and back. We're up and back. Yeah, we're not, you know. And I think, what I think, here's what I think. I think is Peter King would say, I think he got talked into going to Peyton's party. <laughs> That's what happened. Um, well, you were sitting be, in this section. You kind of have to go, don't you? You don't. Well, I mean, I mean you don't have to you, stay all night. No, I mean, I thought go. it was a pretty good gesture just to go to the Hall of Fame and listen to those speeches. I mean, that was quite a sacrifice on his day off. He didn't have to go, but I think after, you know, I'm sure when he went back back to the green room. And talked to Peyton, and Peyton was like, hey, man, we're having this big party. You got to come by. Ah, stop by with Bruce. You know, come by for a little while, whatever. Here's the thing, and, and I um, I was trying to think, like, who is he? He was sitting next to, to uh, I think he was sitting next to Winton. But although Winton didn't play for the – did Winton ever play for the Colts? I don't think so. Um, but he was kind of surrounded by Colts. I do wonder how it would have been, you know, with Ursa, all these guys. And I guess they have to accept as Tom's friend, but – you know, this was mortal enemies for them. And you're having a party with a bunch of Colts players and in walks Brady. It's yeah, but, like, but but for Brady, too, I mean, this is the organization that called you in on Deflategate. Yeah, they did. And yet you're saying yeah. you went and sat, sat with them. Right, right. Was that Polian? Was that Ursay? Like, who was that, right? Wow. So, yeah, you're going to go break bread with the enemy. But in any case, uh, they did make it back safely, and, um, you know, they were on the field. Tom was on the field by eight, eight fifteen, eight o'clock, whatever. So he didn't get much sleep. 
Um, now, um, don't kid yourself, okay? This they didn't they didn't fly southwest like I did. <laughs> they didn't go through Nashville. I had about two hours sleep. My they weren't trip was C- probably A forty six. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I was B nine, but yeah, um, it still was. It still was a, a, a early, you know, three forty five a.m. wake up call to get back by ten thirty in the in the morning uh, through Nashville and Southwest. And they did a great job. Nothing against Southwest. I'm just saying. Um, I think I could have. I think I could have caught a nice little two hour nap on that private plane back to Tampa and gotten my. <laughs> gotten into my cab or whatever, or my cab, gotten into my driver waiting for me, whoever. Uh, maybe he drove himself, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so he got a couple more hours sleep than I did. But then again, I didn't have to go out. The one thing Brady was was hydrated. Did you see he was walking around with his, with his big uh, cantina, his big TV 12, whatever that it's thing is? It's all about is, branding, though. baby. Yeah, man. He knows and how to hydrated. do it better than anybody. And hydrating. But, yes. yeah, he, it was branded and hydrated. So he made sure he took care of that. Um a little bit of news too, uh, and this is good news actually. Cam Brait, who is not, who's been on PUP, he has not done anything this whole camp. We're like thirteen practices into it, heading into today, and Cam Brait has been out. He's coming off the active PUP list, so he can begin practicing now, which is big for him. You want everybody to be healthy at the start of the season. I don't know if he'll play in the preseason game, you know, on Saturday against the Bengals, but. Um, you know, it's good to see him off off that list, and their tight end position is strong. I mean, you know, you got Rob Gronkowski. If OJ Howard can continue to get healthy off that Achilles, it looks better every day. Cam Brait, and then guys like Tanner Hudson and McElroy. I mean, you got a lot of a lot of players at that position, and uh, of course, we know you know Brait played a big role after OJ got hurt, so it's good to have him back. So you know, the, the arrow is is pointed up, and then. This was the one thing that kind of surprised me. I mean, I guess it, 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 nothing surprises me, but there was a debate about would you play Tom Brady in the, play, in the preseason, and Bruce Arians made it clear on Monday that he wants everybody to play. Now, he didn't say they're going to play a lot. He didn't say that Brady's going to throw a single pass. He might just stand back there and hand the ball off three times and call it a night. Um, but he did say that everybody would play and that, and, you know, he's you know don't kid yourself, we're going to get Brady in and out of there pretty quick, you know, maybe a series or two, at least in this first game. So I guess if you're, you know, if you're going to go to the preseason game on Saturday against the Bengals, get there really early, get in your seat because you you get to cheer Tom Brady and then he'll be out, but um, they are going to try to play him. So. Yeah, I would, I would imagine he plays a series or two and I, he might do it in the second game too. He could. Both of them are at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you run some quick passes yeah, you can script this. I mean, you know, yeah, you're not going like, to run any, you know, five second drop passes. No, it's in, but it's football though. Let's you know, let's just start with the fact that it is football, and anything can happen in football, right? You're sure. out there, guys have bad intentions. Um, your offensive line could miss an assignment, but at this stage in Brady's career, they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to do some things. And the thing about it is, is that he's pretty adept at understanding. If somebody wins clean off the line of scrimmage, he told Tristan Wirfs last year, um, you know, just uh, just don't get beat, don't get beat quick, and don't get beat inside. And if you do those two things, we can survive everything else. You know, I'll see the pressure coming. I'll get the ball out of my hands. I'm not going to sit back here and take hits, even if you get hit. But don't get beat inside because you get beat inside, he may not see it fast enough, or the guy's going to be on top of him before he can do anything about it. Um, but Brady, Brady can see if somebody's winning on, you know, uh, for the most part, except from his blind side. And if they don't take a lot of seven or five step drops, they just throw the ball quick, 
he can get the ball out there as quick as anybody, really. So you could script some plays for him and for your your offense um, to where you know you could minimize. Doesn't mean you completely eliminate it because again, it's football. I think where where Brady will get his most work will be when the Titans come in here uh, for the second preseason game. They're going to have a couple of practices, two or three practices with the Bucks, and it, and it's even better than a preseason game because in a preseason game, for example, you might not have a two minute situation at the end of a half or the end of the game. You might not have a goal line situation. You know, you might not have a, a situation where you're backed up in your own end zone and you have to get a first down uh, either at the end of a half or a game to put it away. So you can script those in a, in a sort of a joint workout. And your quarterback, your players are having to react in real time to a defense that they cannot predict like they can, you know, against their own defense in practice every day. Um, and so you get a good evaluation, but the quarterbacks still have, you know, the orange mm-hmm. jerseys or the non-contact. So you're, unless somebody really screws up and then he gets his entire team killed, um, no one's going to hit your quarterbacks. And so they, they get the look and the speed of the game um, without having to expose themselves to injury. So that's when I think you'll see a lot of Brady. I still think we're going to see a ton of Kyle Trask. I think Ryan Griffin's going to get a lot of reps. You know, you wouldn't want to play Blaine Gabbert too much. Um, and you'd be like, well, why? Well, because he is your backup. Like he is, um, he is ready to go. You know, he's the guy that would be in if, if God forbid Brady needed, uh, needed somebody else to come in. And if you get him hurt, same thing, you you know, um, you, you've weakened your quarterback position room and, and then you're down to a guy like Ryan Griffin, who's been around the NFL for a lot of years, but only attempted four passes and Trask, who's absolutely not ready to play and they don't want him to play this year sort of a red shirt year for him. But I think you'll see a lot of Trask in the preseason and um, that will probably start, you know, on Saturday. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Meanwhile, uh, your Tampa Bay Rays are starting a big series in Boston against sort of the the reeling Red Sox a little bit. They have they've been on a spiral here, uh, and it all kind of began with that sweep that the Rays had at the trop a few weeks ago, but, uh, you know, the Rays are kind of starting to pull away a little bit. What are they? Four games as we do this podcast ahead. Yeah, of the Four American games East? ahead of the Red Sox. Red Sox have what? One, two of their last 10 games. Yeah. It's been a really a swoon and, and, and now it's tightening up behind the Rays. not so much pressure on them, but pressure for the wild card spot. Look, Toronto is in it. The Yankees are playing really, really well. Everybody's running down the Red Sox from behind. And you might see this thing shift here pretty quickly, um, the way those other two teams are playing, the Yankees and the and the Blue Jays. So, it's, yeah, this is be... a big series. I mean, you know, the Rays. You go into Boston. Let's say you take two out of three. Right now, you're opening up a five game lead on them. Right. You know, I mean, right. and, and you know, you went all three, and it, now you're what seven game lead. Yeah. Now I'll say this because of the way their season ends at this, you know, the schedule, I think they go to New York and then and finish in Houston. Um, those are tough teams and there could be something at stake, I suppose for both 
Um, certainly the Yankees, maybe, but Houston may have everything wrapped up by then. As far they as they could, they could, but you're probably still gonna. You may not, you know, run pitchers out there and keep them in for very long or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they would be setting it up, probably for for the playoffs. But it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a baseball team. Yeah. They're still gonna get up there and try to hit. They're still gonna try to score runs. And so, if you, I guess my point is, if you needed to gain ground, if you didn't have the lead in the American League East, if it wasn't secure by more than a game or so, those are not those two series are going to be rough potentially to finish out and try to protect the lead. So I, I think you'd love to have a four game, five game lead, you know, going into the the last couple of weeks or the last week or so of the season, um, in case you do hit a few bumps and maybe if you gain splits, then you're then you're fine. But those that's those are those are tough finish, finishing holes, you know. It's like seventeen and eighteen at uh, uh, at, at the mm-hmm. U.S. Open or something. But I think, you know, they're, they're, look, they're playing great. I, you know, Mark Tompkin wrote this story in the Tampa Bay Times today uh, about the Rays and and how surprising it is. Of course, they're pitching. Their bullpen has been just lights out, and it doesn't seem to matter. Um, this is what we know about the Rays pitching, and especially their bullpen, is that. They're going to find somebody. They're going to put them out there, and they're going to do the job. And then they're going on the IL. <laughs> it's just DJ sort of Johnson. Recruit. DJ Johnson, welcome. You're now an official Tampa Bay Rays pitcher because you're on the IL, and he's been here for what two weeks it seems. But you know that's that's sort of what they do, and they're better at it than anybody else. What gets overlooked, however, um, is their offense. And you know, you think about all the strikeouts that they have. Um, you know, for a while they were stranding a lot of runners on base. Mark Tompkins wrote the story. The 570 runs uh, through Sunday ranked fourth in the majors, not just the American League, in the majors. And it was second by one in the American League. They trailed the, the Astros, Dodgers, and Blue Jays. And then they have uh, 147 home runs. That's fourth in the American League, eighth overall. So, you know, this is not, you know, the hit show. This is not what you would expect from, from this, this group of, of current Rays. But they find ways to score runs. They're scoring a lot of runs late in the game, you know, uh, a lot of rallies, a lot of come-from-behind wins. And, you know, usually when you think of the Rays, you think of pitching and and defense. But this year, uh, they've managed to score a lot of runs, and they do it, you know, running the bases, uh, taking their walks, all kinds of ways. But you got to credit the Rays for it. And that's the thing. Like, that's what they didn't do in the postseason. They did not get the bats going outside of a Rosarena. Um, you know, we saw Brandon Lau struggle. Now they've had a couple of grand slams, I think, um, you know, in a row. So, you know, they're starting to swing the bats really well. And and I think that, you know, having a guy like Nelson Cruz in the middle of the lineup just absolutely helps everybody. That absolutely you know, you, you helps. Get, that the just guy makes that lineup him. so thick. Oh, and, you know, if Nelson is hitting behind you, you're going to get pitches to hit. They are not going to walk you. Mm-hmm. They're not going to pitch around you, you know, with Nelson Cruz coming up. So, it lengthens um, their lineup, you know, because you put him at three or four, um, and then the guy behind him, whether it's Meadows or whoever, would typically be batting in the fourth spot. Now he's fifth, so it, it gets you through that lineup quicker, and, um, you know, it's been great. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's arrow up uh, for the race, and who knows what's going to happen behind them, but it's going to be a wild finish, I think. Uh, you know, I, 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 you and I were talking before the podcast, and I kind of equate this – the Rays pitching gets a ton of accolades, as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, the best ERA in the American League. There's some teams in the National League better, but don't forget pitchers hitting that league. 
So you're not fa- you're not facing mm-hmm. a DH all the time. So National League usually has better ERAs. Right. But I believe they have the best bullpen ERA in baseball, mm-hmm. despite that, you know, however many pitchers are on all the IL are, yeah. at all times, uh, just a given. That <clears throat> the Rays are, are so well known for their pitching and defense that when they have a season like this, hitting wise, they don't get credit for it. No, and, you're and right. It's kind of like the way people view the Lightning's defense. Because mm-hmm. they've been such an offensive power for years now that unless you watch them every day, you don't realize how good defensively the Lightning were the last two seasons. Right. Because all you talk about is Point and Kucherov and Stamkos and Hedman and the power play, and and, and deservedly so. They're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They have tr- tons of talent there. But the improvements they've made on the defensive end over the last few seasons get overlooked by people. And they, yeah. you know people just think they're just an offensive scoring machine. The Rays are kind of that way with with hitting this year. Is that you know their pitching and, and defense has been great as usual, right? But their offense is so much better right now, and and particularly in clutch situations, scoring late in games. And we talked about this a little bit last night. That you know how many runs more they've scored in the seventh inning later compared to their opposition. Oh, it's incredible. That it, you know it, it's you just don't give them credit for being good offensively because their pitching and defense is so good. And you're like, yeah, they can't hit. Well, they are hitting this year. Yes, they're striking out, but mm. look at the production they have this year. I mean, when you're fourth in runs and, and eighth in home runs in the league, and, and you look at that line, you're going, how are they doing it? But it, it's it's amazing how those pieces, they, how they fit them together to where it seems like every night they come through. And they got a different hero, Brett Phillips, of all people, you know, with uh, with big nights against against the Orioles. The 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 other thing about the lightning, you know, it's a good, it's a great analogy because, um, if if you do look at their defense, everybody goes st- and and look rightfully so. You go straight to Andre Vasilevsky and you say, well, that's that's their defense, right? Like that's, and he is, he's the largest part of it. There's no question about that. But he's got really good players around him now, you know, and it's it has. You're right. It's changed. It's changed the whole dynamic of that team. The last two Stanley Cup runs, they don't make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, without some of the acquisitions that they have on defense. And you could equate it to the Bucks a little bit, too. I mean, people don't talk could. about that defense. And that defense, no. the second half of the season in the playoffs, was phenomenal. I think it carried them. Mm-hmm. I think it carried them, and it, it carried them in, I think, the Super Bowl for sure. You hold you know, Patrick Mahomes without a touchdown in a final game and chase him 500 yards on the field. Uh, but even before that, you know, the Green Bay game, I mean, the, the, the five sacks against Aaron Rodgers, that's what won the game. You know, Tom Brady doesn't have a chance to to get up 21 to 10 um, without Sean Murphy bunting, making an interception, you know, with about 30 something seconds, his third in, in as many preseason games to set up that strike to Scotty Miller on the final play of the first half, you know, and, and that to me, that was the swing, right? That was the biggest play of the game, uh, gave him a 21 to 10 lead. So I I agree. And every, even now, because, you know, you've got all these weapons back, right? And OJ's coming off an injury and, you know, Brady knows the offense, and Antonio Brown will be there for 17 weeks. By the way, check out the Tampa Bay Times and Tampa Bay.com. I wrote a story about Antonio Brown. We had a chance to, uh, to speak with him. Let me just say, in a word, uh, he's grateful. He's very grateful. I think he said grateful, uh, excited. Um, there's another word about two dozen times in his uh, little, you know, media scrum that we had for the first time this preseason. But the one thing he is is also healthy. He's, his knee's been cleaned up, um, probably an injury he needed to get taken care of before. Uh, and, and just, you know, at 33 years old, you talk about a sixth-round pick, you know, that 
that's uh, headed to the Hall of Fame. It's not just Tom Brady. It's also Antonio Brown. If he plays 17 games this year or 16 games or 15 and not eight, you know, coming off a suspension with not knowing the offense, uh, uh, trying to, you know, integrate himself, you know, with the other receivers, imagine what Antonio Brown can do. I'm telling you, the guy is youthful beyond his years, can still absolutely run, loves to play, and it seems as if most of his off-the-field things are behind him now, whatever outstanding civil suits there were, he's he's sort of settled. But Antonio Brown could put up 1,300 yards on this team without batting an eye. You know, I mean, that's that's how good he is. Now it's, you say, well, where does that yardage come from? Does that mean Mike gets less or, you know, uh, maybe Chris Godwin or one of the tight ends? We don't know. Um, I, I'm of the school of belief that they're going to have more plays, that Brady's going to throw for more yards uh, because they're going to make more first downs, even if it's just stumping the ball off to Giovanni Bernard. So um, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But, yeah, A.B. looking really strong out there. Just to go back where we started with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, also, uh, Ross Colton is uh, locked up for a few years, right? Yeah, that's what, two years, 2.25 mil, I believe was the nice. deal. Nice, nice. So he avoids arbitration. He was arbitration eligible. So it's a 1.125 right. average annual value hit for the cap. Yeah. And uh, one of the sites that track the um, cap the cap numbers in that. Mm-hmm. So the Lightning traded for Brett Seabrook, if you remember. Yes. And so they're going to place him on long-term injury relief. So that's mm-hmm. the LTIR this year. So they are whatever his salary is over the cap. They're like they have like nine thousand dollars to spare. Nine thousand. Yes, something something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's you go buy some hockey sticks with that. Like you know, maybe I'm not, I'm not sure how that know? works. And, and yeah. they may not be done making some moves or whatever. But Julian Breezebois has said it's pretty much money in, money out at this yeah. point. You know, if you're going to make a move, right. the dollars have to work in and out Both because ways, you're that yeah. tight. And yeah. you know, if you're basically at this point nine thousand dollars to spare, uh, let's see, it was cap friendly. It says, yeah, Colton signing Seabrook's cap hit the difference of only nine thousand forty five dollars. Wow, that's, that's crazy. As they put it, in in other words, this roster is nearly perfect to maximize their long term injury relief. Relief, mm. which you know they did the same thing last year, so. What were the T-shirts? Uh, how many how many thousands were there? Well, they the were cap? eighteen million over last year because they made a couple eight. trades. They took on a lot of salary that was put on LTIR last year. Marion Gabrick and yeah. uh, of course Kucherov was on there, and they had a couple other players too that were. So last year was a lot more over the cap, but yeah, as far but they as wore the, it. They wore it like a champ, man, with the T-shirt. Eighteen million over the cap. That was that was great. Hey, Julian Brisebois is doing it better than everybody else. He clearly is back-to-back, trying to go back-to-back-to-back. And finally, we'll get out on this one. How do you feel about your Tampa Bay Lightning head coach, John Cooper, being the coach of the Canadian national team now uh, that will play the U.S. and others? Uh, I don't like it. (laughs) Um, I mean, I know it's an honor. You know, you can remember back in the day when Stevie Y was the GM of Team Canada. And that mm-hmm. presumably led to some disputes with Marty St. Louis, who wasn't selected by his own GM to play in Team Canada, later traded to the Rangers. But um, it's going to be weird. Like, how, well, but how, Okay, you, so you think it's weird that he's coaching? Would it be weirder if a Canadian coached the American team in the Olympics? Yeah, that'd be weird too, I suppose. <laughs> but I guess here in Champa Bay, 
You know, you kind of feel like, hey, man, you know, I don't know. Well, but I mean, you know, look at the players on Tampa Bay. I mean, how many would not play for Team USA? Right. I mean, you know, McDonough's McDonough's from, you know, the U.S. No, there's a lot of Canadians. There's guys from Russia. There's, you know, they're from all over, right? And you're going to play them. But the coach, man, the coach, I don't know, find a you find a guy in the NHL that coaches a Canadian franchise and let him be the coach of Team Canada. I mean, they got the right guy, obviously. Cooper's a winner. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want the two-time Stanley Cup champion? Yeah, to, exactly. To I mean, coach you got Team the right Canada guy. Canada. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it, man. Whoa, Canada. You know? At least he's not the GM. At least he's not going to potentially run into conflict with his own players about who's on the team. I mean, you know, do you have a problem with Coaches coaching in the All-Star game and coaching your rivals? It's an All-Star game. You know, yeah, but, but, this is for national pride. This is, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's probably similar, but a little different. Listen, let, let's hope, like, he needs to, he needs to uh, not say much, but um, if he has the final say on who's on the on the hockey team, let's hope he didn't cut one of the Lightning players, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you have another rift. Well, I, uh, I so, wonder, you know, too, I mean, you know, they the players and the owners negotiated and agreed the players could go play in the Olympics uh, as part of the new CBA that before they returned to play in the bubble last season. But it's not definite they're going to play in the Olympics this year because of protocols right. and COVID and there's, you know. COVID, all that could, could end it quickly. It, 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 you know, depending on what the players would have to do to go over and play there, you know, there's yeah. a three-week break in the NHL schedule. They're not going to make it a five- or six-week break if they got to go quarantine and such ahead of time. Right. And, it's disruptive it's, enough. Yeah, yeah, it's too early to know what's going to happen. But if mm-hmm. the NHL players are not there, is Cooper still coaching? Mm, great point. Maybe <laughs> Does not. Does he leave the team for a few? I, I'm pretty sure the answer is no, but. Right. You know, it's more of a, just a, 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 not a funny aside, but a, you know, just the world we live in today where we don't know for sure the players are going to go play in the Olympics. We Hard to make plans. They are, they want to. Yeah. But it's, you know, everything's up in the air. Although, you know, kudos to the Olympics, which just ended this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some, some athletes that weren't able to compete because of COVID, but they didn't have to shut anything they didn't down. The they games. didn't, yeah, yeah, they didn't have to, they didn't have any, you know, issues once they were there and, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. we have to delay this event for a few days or anything like that. They, I mean, they managed yeah. it and it, it went off, you know, yes, without fans. And, and that was a shame and, and that, but the, you know, the events themselves and the races and games and whatever else, you know, you're competing in it went off fine and, and they were able to complete it. So, which, you know, if you remember at the beginning of it, it seemed like, you know, it was multiple athletes every day testing COVID going into it, and you're going, I don't think they're going to be able to make it through this. Yeah, and there they were sure protests. And, you know, the best thing is that those those cardboard beds, they can only hold one person. <laughs> they they managed to do the job, man. I, well, I don't did they? know. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard well, any stories. I mean, haven't heard any injuries reported from, as a result of them <laughs> collapsing. But, you know, I'm sure those kids all were very careful and, um, nobody tried to uh, to test the test the strength of those, but uh, that's uh, uh, as they say a, a topic for another day. As you drive your children to school um, and uh, drop your lovelies off, we'll get into that uh, some other time. We're gonna uh, have this week, of course, uh, a popular mailbag segment. Um, we'll get to those questions, and you guys have been great about sending them in all the time. You don't have to wait for that. Um, we'll do them as they come along when we have some time, but. Uh, if you do want to send us a question, you can do that on Twitter at NFL Stroud, at Sports Day TV, or you can email me at rstroud at Tampa Bay 
com. Tom Jones may not be with us this week. He's kind of jammed up, so we'll have some other exciting shows for you. Maybe talk a little college football, maybe some Rays. Uh, definitely some Buccaneer football as they get ready to play. Yeah, college football Cincinnati camps Bengals. are underway now. I know, I know. So college is all getting started. USF, we Florida, so Florida State. So close. Tell me that isn't, doesn't it feel, I don't know, there's something, you know, of course it's 100 degrees down here and it's hot everywhere. And, and, and oh, by the way, you'll stock up on your water and your gas because, you know, if it's football season or the start of one, that means there's at least one or two hurricanes. Oh, we got that, uh, what, the Depression 6 is out there now. Yes, yes. And I don't think it's going to be very strong, but it may bring some rain this weekend. Yeah, but it's just just a reminder that it's that time of year, Just Just enough to, uh, you know, soak the game for uh, the first preseason game, which seems like an annual ritual. Yes, exactly right. Um, we 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 always seem to do that this time of year. It is it is hurricane season? You get a lot of tropical storms, and of course, right on time, here comes one maybe for the weekend. But um, aside from that, it should be uh, it should be great just to see. And I don't, I'm not, you know, I know they have sold all the season passes, and um, look, preseason football is a whole different animal, right? And maybe that place won't be as rocking, but it will be cool to see more fans at Raymond James after last season or see fans anywhere uh, for that matter. But, um, but when, yeah, when's the uh, last time and the preseason game doesn't count, but when we right, get to the right. Cowboys game, mm-hmm. when's the last time you can remember like a, a Bucks game sold out where it's going to be predominantly Bucks fans? I mean, you know, I, I you know, I remember Packers games where you see a ton yeah. of green, green and, and yellow, or Steelers. You see a, brought yeah. fans. Steelers brought fans. Um, but I mean, presumably this year the games are going to be predominantly Bucks fans in the stands, right? I, I, that's going to be an incredible atmosphere this year. Well, I think you know a whole generation of people have not seen it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you've seen full stadiums over there, and they've they've had some in the '60s, but if you've seen them. It was just as you said. It was uh, a lar- large portion of the lower bowl, which are Buccaneer season ticket holders selling their tickets, um, you know, in the secondary market to Green Bay fan or, you know, and imagine this too. Like in the old days, you can imagine how many Cowboy fans, and there might still be a good number of them there anyway. You can imagine how many Cowboy fans would be at the season opener against the Super Bowl champions on a Thursday night. So. Um, but I, but, but just to, you know, in, in, we were thinking I, when I was with these guys over the weekend, I was thinking about what an atmosphere, and there is a whole group of people that have either moved here in the last decade or two, or, you know, don't remember, uh, the early two thousands, late night, late 1990s when that place was just rocking. And I, I'm almost convinced, in fact, I am convinced it's going to be that again, um, there's going to be very few of the opposing team colors in that stadium. Um, and it is going to be loud and they're going to cheer their lungs out for Brady, which they absolutely should. And they're Super Bowl champions. So, uh, yeah. And in big games, especially like I can remember, you know, all the Monday night games against the St. Louis Rams or the Colts or, you know, uh, you just got that, that energy, that vibe that like, man, this Mm -hmm. is, this is a big game, you know, like this is a big, big game. And the fans were amped up into it during warm-ups. And by the time that thing kicked off, man, people were just in a complete frenzy. That place was coming apart at the seams, and it will again this year. Maybe not Saturday against the Bengals for preseason, but um, but it, it will happen certainly when they, they open the regular season against the Cowboys. So something to look forward to. We're only about 29 days yeah. away, I think. And just remember all the Cowboy fans, uh, you know, Tom Brady, 
and the Cowboys have won the exact same number of NFC championships in the last 25 That's years. so wrong. That's one. so wrong. One. That's, that is the trivia of and, trivia. And, and right the Cowboys there. have been in the NFC for 25 years, Tom Brady for one. Yeah. <laughs> and he might double that production this season. Who knows? Uh, trick question. He is the GOAT, man. He is, uh, he's getting it done. So they just got to get all those guys to the starting line, and that'll be Arian's job, of course, as well. So anyway... Uh, keep it here all week. We're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys listening, of course. For Steve Versig, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 